This reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. It's quite nice to be in a place where you have to wait for little people to go. My congregation, I am the youngest. I am the baby. So it's really nice to be in a place where there are people younger than me. It is my privilege to be with you this morning as together we seek to discern more of what God is saying to us as to whether we should explore further a possible relationship together or not. And I really do trust that in what I share this morning, you will hear not just me, but God, uh, and how my discipleship of Jesus shapes my understanding of who God is. We are looking at the theme of the challenge of discipleship, and I want to start by us watching a DVD clip from the film Sister Act. It's, it's, it's a fun story. It's not to be taken too seriously. And yet, there is an incredible theme of discipleship and mission that runs through it. There's another clip that I've never quite dared use in a church where the nuns go out into the community. And that really speaks powerfully to me as to what discipleship is about. We are called to get out there. And theirs is a horrible community. It's a scary place. But they get out and they have some fun serving Jesus. Now, I'm guessing some of us would have reservations about some of the things that Roman Catholics ascribe to, and and I certainly do, but I am always challenged by the commitment of nuns and monks who give up everything to follow Jesus. They give up their possessions, they give up their families, they give up the prospect of marriage and childbearing to walk with Jesus. And that's really what it's about. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And it's not really a sermon in the traditional sense of sermons. I can do those, but I don't always. And I thought it was better that you saw one of my slightly more experimental things to help you in your discernment. Because if you really can't cope with it, it's better to know now, isn't it? Jesus, in the Gospels, tells more stories than he teaches doctrines. In fact, he doesn't teach doctrines particularly. And he asks more questions than he gives answers. And some of that will hopefully be reflected in the way I guide us through. Earlier in the service, Luke read for us beautifully that passage from Mark's Gospel where Peter, Andrew, James and John are called by Jesus. Effectively, they were small businessmen. Sure, they hadn't had the benefit of a university education. It didn't exist in those days. They obviously weren't teachers of the law, but they weren't thick either. They owned property. They owned boats. 
They probably employed other people, though we don't know. They were certainly not poor. When we meet them, they're doing what they normally do, fishing, getting the nets ready, making sure the boats are okay to go out and catch fish. And then Jesus happens by and says, follow me. And they go, just like that, leaving behind everything that they've worked really hard for, their families, Zebedee is left in the boat. Now, if you're my age, that's conjured up a rather strange image, I have to confess. But Zebedee wasn't on a spring. Zebedee is left in the boat. And Peter, we know, was married because in the next chapter, we hear about his mother-in-law. So they've left their families. They've left their business. They've left their homes. To do what? To go and be part of a new community. Learning from this man, this itinerant preacher, this carpenter, what it means to be part of God's kingdom. And I wonder what it was that prompted them to respond that way. Had they heard Jesus before when he was preaching in the synagogues? Did they already know him? They might have done, but we're not told. What we are told is there's something about Jesus that made these intelligent businessmen do something very radical. They just left it all behind and went off with Jesus into something new, something that they hadn't got a clue where it was going to take them. So some questions for us to consider today. Where is it that we meet Jesus or that Jesus meets us? Is it something we think is about Sundays and coming to church or about our personal quiet time? Or are we open to meeting Jesus in our everyday lives, at work, at the bus stop, in Tesco's? You haven't got a corner shop around here or if you have, I haven't spotted it yet. But, you know, are you open to meeting Jesus in those places? And how is it that he speaks us? Is it a surprise Is it a surprise when we hear Jesus speaking to us? Is it something truly outrageous that he says? And how do we understand that call? Do we see it as totally individual? That is just purely and simply about our eternal destiny, what happens after we die? Or is it something for the whole of our life that has to be worked out in the communities of which we're a part, the communities where we live, the communities where we work, the communities, the networks that we are part of through our interests. What I love about this story is it's very stark and it's very simple. And it's really easy to kind of romanticise it and think that it's a nice story and to forget that it was incredibly demanding for those early followers of Jesus. And that those demands are just as real today when Jesus calls us. And in the rest of this exploration, we're going to use three more readings to help us think about that topic. So I'm going to ask Eric now if you could come and bring us the reading from Matthew. Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, 
But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? For the Son of Man is come into his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward everyone according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank you. When we hear this passage, we always hear it in the light of what happened at Calvary. When we hear Jesus say, take up your cross and follow me, immediately our minds go to the events that we know as Easter. But actually, when Jesus said these words, that hadn't happened. And it would have been really shocking to his followers to hear that said to them. They would have been quite used to seeing people being led out to be crucified. Happens, as far as I understand, they only crucified men. But they had other punishments for women. You would be crucified for treason, for crimes against the state. It was an incredibly shameful way to go. And they understood that fine well. They were used to seeing people being taken out, stripped naked and nailed to a cross to die. So what he was saying was incredibly powerful. Not just leave your family behind, but actually risk this kind of shame, rejection, being despised to follow me. Will you do that, says Jesus, because that's what the cost is. Fortunately for us, nobody's going to execute us for following Jesus. No one's going to accuse us of being traitors because we are Christ's disciples. But they're still challenging words, even in our society. It's a challenge about the priorities on our lives. What are the things that the world tells us bring life, bring fulfilment, the things that we work hard to gain, the things that sometimes, no matter that we try to follow Jesus, we find distracting us? Is it possessions? Is it holidays? Is it careers? Is it whatever? All sorts of things. Jesus cuts right through that and says, follow me is costly. And it might mean taking a path that costs you very dearly at a personal level, turning upside down the values of the world, risking rejection, risking being called names, risking being thought strange because we follow him. Discipleship of Jesus doesn't guarantee us material blessings. Maybe you've heard people say it does. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't. And he didn't promise it in the first place. We have to make choices, and those choices matter. And we heard in that passage, when the kingdom of God is fulfilled, the outcome of those choices will be made known. And it's more than just, are you going to heaven when you die? It's actually talking about what you do with your life. It will be called to account for what we've done with our lives. So some questions again for us to think about. What are the priorities in our lives, in my life, in your life? What motivates us to do what we do? And what about this idea of denying ourselves? How do we keep a balance between honestly appreciating who we are 
that we have so much worth, God-given worth, that Christ died for us. That's how much God cares about us. But also not being self-centred or self-obsessed. How do we get that right? How do we avoid putting ourselves down all the time or thinking we're better than we are? There's a balance to be found in there with God's help. And what about this radical discipleship that risks humiliation or rejection to do what God in Christ calls us to do? Would we be willing to die for Christ? Because the truth is there are missionaries today, not literally today, but in our age, who do die as a result of their commitment to follow Jesus, either because somebody murders them or because they're in a place that's risky and they become ill and die. We begin to realise as we listen to Jesus that discipleship is incredibly demanding. It's actually pretty scary. Sometimes, you know, if I'm honest, I think perhaps I won't do that. It's a bit hard. But the Gospels says that Jesus calls people to follow him. And the mystery is that in going down this path actually is fulfilment. Not necessarily material blessing, not wealth or fame or prosperity, but the blessing of knowing that we are right with God and that we are fulfilled as the people we're called to be. We're going to hear another reading that's going to take this even further as we discover how challenging discipleship is. And Helen is going to bring us a reading from Luke's Gospel. Right, Luke 9, 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Helen. More scary words. Quite scary, this Jesus bloke, isn't he? In this passage, we see three people as far as we know, three men who who had an encounter with Jesus. Two of them come and say to him, I want to follow you. And another one, he says, he issues a call to, to come and follow them, him. They're very brief conversations, just a couple of sentences. And they're over so quickly, it's hard to take in the magnitude of what is said. But what's quite clear is that none of these people have really grasped how demanding discipleship is. The first person offers to follow Jesus, and what Jesus says, which is a bit odd, quite frankly, gives us a hint at how vulnerable you have to be willing to be as a disciple. Jesus said even animals seek shelter, a place of security in which they can bring up their young. But following me means letting go of that security, that sense of safety. There is something about following Jesus that's a call to be pilgrims, to be strangers, to be perhaps a little bit rootless. And that's very challenging in our British culture where home ownership is almost normal. That's why we've got so many problems at the moment, isn't it? We've created a culture where everybody expects to own a house. I don't. I never will because I can't afford one. 
But, you know, that's what we've come to expect. And Jesus said, you know, actually, that kind of security is not what it's about following me. It's another question about our desires and our values. Discipleship's costly. Elsewhere in the Gospels, and I apologise, I forgot to look up the reference, Jesus talked about somebody who plans to build a tower. And first they work out what it's going to cost and decide whether they're going to finish it or not, because they look awfully stupid if they get half a tower built. Something about discipleship is it is costly, and we need to weigh this up. Are we prepared to do it? And then there's a person who Jesus calls. Jesus says, come and follow me. And this is one of the few occasions where my smattering of Greek actually matters. The person says to Jesus, let me first go and bury my father. Now, if we were reading Matthew, the Greek would lead us to believe that that's an excuse. That, you know, one day my dad's going to die and I'm just putting this off. But the words used in Luke are apparently a subtly different text. Tense, sorry, not text. Which means that the father is dying or dead. This is real for this man. It's a good reason to say, actually, not yet, Jesus. I need to mourn my father. And what Jesus says in that sense seems incredibly harsh. Let the dead bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We know from elsewhere that Jesus was moved by illness and death. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus, that shortest verse in the Bible. He cares passionately about people. But there is something in this about the demands of following Jesus because there's always going to be a really good reason rather than an excuse to put it off. And I experienced that firsthand two weeks ago. Two weeks ago today, I was on holiday and I was doing a guest preach at my Sunday church in Warrington. Half past seven in the morning, I had a phone call from one of my church members to tell me that his wife had died that morning. She was 54 years old. And my heart wanted to go down to Leicestershire and be with that family. But I was committed to preach and to preach on that text. I'd planned it beforehand. And it was incredibly hard. I choked. But I got through it, because that's what the call is about. That's the power of the call that Jesus has on my life. Actually, even when there are good reasons to say, not today, God, I have to get on and do it. The third person, again, is one who comes to Jesus and says, I will follow you, but first... Can I go and say goodbye to my parents? And that sounds fair enough, doesn't it? There's an echo of the Elisha story in that one. And Jesus says, you know, you have to decide, folks. Are you with me or are you not? You're no use to me if you keep looking over your shoulder, looking back to where you've come from. You need to decide that you're going to follow me and stick with that decision. Being a disciple of Jesus is tough. It's incredibly tough. So let's not pretend it isn't. It can turn our world upside down completely. It certainly did for me 10 years ago when I was called to be a minister. And I was quite happy being an engineer, thank you. It was okay. I could be a Christian and an engineer. 
No, God had other ideas. Being a disciple of Jesus can cost us our security. It can cost us our stability. Maybe some of you have had experiences losing friends as a result of your faith or people who question why you give your money to the church or to charity, who think you're nutty to come out on a Sunday morning to listen to somebody waffle at you. Being a disciple isn't easy, as we saw with the children. There are obstacles in the way. But Jesus expects us to think carefully what it means to follow him. And so one last passage from John's Gospel, which Edmund is going to read for us. The readings from John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned again and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said to him, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Thank you very much. This is a passage I've preached on many times, and I'm sure you have heard preached on many times. And usually when I preach on it, and probably other people preach on it, we look at how Peter's call is our call, a call to us as individuals or as a congregation. And that is useful because there is a lot we can learn from Peter's call. But it's towards the end of that passage that I think is what is important for us today. Peter, true to form, looks around, sees the other disciple and says to Jesus, hang on a minute, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him, you follow me. It is easy, and I've certainly been guilty of it, to look at other people and 
judge their discipleship. Either to think, goodness, I could never be like them. They're just amazing in their walk with Jesus. I couldn't live up to that. Or on the other hand, think, well, you know, really, they're not quite living the life, are they? But Jesus says to Peter, look, don't worry about what I'm calling him to do. You follow me. And I think that's an important thing that we all need to remember Jesus has a call for us as individuals and Jesus has a call for us as congregations and churches and that's what we need to worry about. Not what God's saying to the church down the road, not what God's saying to the person sitting either side of us or behind us or in front of us, but the call to us. And so this exploration draws to its close. It has to, because I haven't got enough time left to talk much longer. We have to weigh up those words of Jesus to think very seriously about the challenges of being his disciples and to make our decisions in response. It seems to me very telling that nowhere in scripture does Jesus make a list of things you have to believe to be his follower. He doesn't say, pray this little prayer with me either. What he says is follow me. Come on a journey with me. Come to a place that you don't know. Come on an adventure. And it will be risky, and it might be scary, and it might cost you everything you think you value but you will find life in all its fullness as a result. And that's true today, whether we've known Jesus for decades or just a few minutes, Jesus says to each one of us, you follow me. Let's just pray together very briefly. Lord God, we hear those words of Jesus spoken again to us. Follow me. And Lord, you know our hearts and our lives. You know our struggles and our joys. You know what it demands of each of us to follow him. Help us not to look around other people and compare ourselves or judge them but to hear his voice speaking clearly to us, to weigh up the challenges and to make our choice. Amen.